Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. to interview Pam Pravitz. Pam was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and is a huge football fan, specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers. She is a badass businesswoman who started her career in portfolio management until 1991, when she opted to stay at home and raise their three kids who were born in three consecutive years. She later went to work with nonprofits, mainly in leadership and hospitality roles. In 2011, Pam and her husband bought a restaurant and joined the Dunedin Chamber of Commerce. Seven years later, she became the Chamber's CEO and still holds that position today. In 2015, Pam and her husband of 30 years separated. And during that time, after a short fling, Pam became a stepmom. And that was the same year she became a grandma for the first time. And if that wasn't challenging enough, later that year, well, in 2016, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, had brain surgery in 2017, and that left her temporarily unable to walk, eat, or even see straight. And I know that Pam still has some lasting effects from the brain tumor, but Pam, thank you so much for being here with us. We are really excited to hear your story. Wow, Pam, that's a lot of stuff all at one time. I'm going to read a quote to you that we read to all of our guests. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. You have a lot of survivalship underneath your belt and a lot to share. And you know, Pam, a lot of times (laughs) Kara and I are asked, like, how do you find these women with these stories? They're so compelling and there's so much that, you know, people have been through. And one, it's, um, I think every single human being has their story. They have something that they over have overcome in their life and whatever that is, it's the worst that they know. And so they, they can share it, they can show up or they can hide from it. And I think if, if we could try and normalize it somehow, like the shit that we go through, because it may not be exactly the same as the next person, but I don't know anybody who hasn't gone through something, something where they're like, holy shit, like something that just knocks them off their feet or slaps them across the face they weren't expecting, you know? Right. But it, you have to think that, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking of, and I know Kara knows who I'm talking about when, you know, I have a, I I know somebody, a very young girl who's going through some really bad times and she wouldn't be right for this, this podcast because she hasn't lived it yet. Okay. But, but it's people like her that, that hearing stories and us owning it. Uh, This is what, this is what happened. And this is the way it is. And you can come out the other side. It's important for those people, you know, to hear it, to be there. You know, and that's why that's who you're helping. Sure. So share our podcast with that person. If you think, you know what I mean? I have known you for 10 years and I've known you before any of these terrible things happened to you. And I know you now. And I would say before any of these terrible things happened to you, you were always positive. You were always happy. You were always helpful. You're always grateful. And here you are after all of this shit that happened to you. And you're still happy and helpful and grateful and generous. It really is the core of who you are. And you could have chosen to change it, to change yourself and to react in a different way and become someone different. You would have had every right and every excuse. 
but you didn't, you, you really came back to your roots and I have a lot of respect for you for that. So thank you. I'm excited to hear your story from your perspective and have you share it with our listeners. So wherever you want to pick it up from. Well, it's a difficult thing. And I'll tell you, um, I had just this past week, my, um, my oldest daughter moved back to the Tampa area. Um, my other daughter was visiting this weekend. Um, my father is quite ill. And so I spent some time with my mom this week and been a little bit of tension and, you know, and, and discussion about just different things that are going on between my mom and I, between my girls and I. And, you know, one of the things that's um, really important to me and always was important to me was to set a good example for my children. And when all this stuff happened, you know, six years ago, especially my girls, they were freaking out. Like, oh my God, how can you, you know, what are you going to do? You've got to kick him to the curb. You're talking about your husband having an affair and your girls were like, get rid of him. Yep. But I will say that both of my daughters, well, no, it's not true. My oldest daughter, Cheryl, she definitely felt from the get-go that the child that was, that grew into be, grew to be Lola was somebody she wanted to know. Hmm. Interesting. And that was, yeah, it was her. She was like, I, you know, it's not her fault that Alice happened and I want to know her. And I think that, you know, for me, it was a thing where, you know, we got together. We wanted to be back. We wanted to go to the forgiveness. I mean, I, I'm not like overly religious or anything like that, but I just, I try to think of myself as being kind. And I, and I truly felt like the, the person that I was, was a forgiving person who could get past, could get past it. I knew it would take me some time, but I knew I, I could get past it or I thought I could, you know, the baby came along I'm like, and that was a little surprise. That was a little twist. <laughs> But, you know, it has to keep, the, sto- the story has to keep getting better all the time, you know? Um, what a great way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, oh, okay, you know, dun, 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 and, you know, like, next week. I I also just, like, to who I am, I mean, and I don't mean to sound corny, but, like, who I am is not a person that would just turn my back on a kid. And so, you know, we went full force into we want to be in this kid's life and we want 50-50 custody. And, you know, it wasn't easy. There's still times where I'm just like, you know, something will hit me and I'll just kind of be like, ah, but it's what what I wanted. I think, you know, it's what he wanted. I mean, I don't think he wanted to admit it to himself at first, but then he did. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to just leave this person that, you know, and have nothing to do with her. And she is, you know, now just a great part of our life, like as much as everybody else. And an interesting addition to, you know, 50 something lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) It'll keep you young. Yeah. I mean, there are times where you're like, oh, Lord, you know, all I want to do right now is take a nap and (laughs) <laughs> yeah like, can, bet. Oh, can we play and you know i just want to because i've heard your story before and i just want to note that you guys did not get separated initially because of this you were separating for other reasons and you know we all know marriage is hard work that any relationship is 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 tough like two people really have to work at it and you had decided that you needed some space yes and it was you know and it was there were a lot of things and it was it was hard but i feel like i think you know when i look back on my life the the bottom line is everything that happens you have a choice you can learn from it or you cannot and i just feel like everything in my everything that has happened to me you just kind of learn from it you know i mean i would you know there were times where you know i felt like you know buying a bar was the dumbest thing we ever did <laughs> But I think I, I think I've told Patty this before. I don't know if, if you remember Patty, but like we always moved like about every well, the longest we ever lived anywhere was five years. And so when we had lived in Florida for five years, it was it was time to time to move on. 
but my kids were in college and um, my son was about to be a senior in high school and we did, we just, we liked it here. We loved it here. And so we decided we wanted to stay and we wanted to buy a business. And we decided, well, the first thing I said was no restaurant. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and we bought Eddie's because. <laughs> a bar and a restaurant. Right. Because, well, because it was big enough to support us. It was, it, but 99.9% of the reason why we bought that was because it was in Dunedin, where I had grown to. I had a huge fondness for I just felt like it was such a cool town. The people were um, so supportive of each other. I just loved the vibe for lack of a better term. And so that's why we did it. And, you know, and after we did it for a little while, there were definitely times where I was like, biggest mistake ever. (laughs) But it wasn't because I wouldn't know you. Uh, I wouldn't know a lot. Of, I wouldn't know a lot of the people. I wouldn't have ever become acquainted with the chamber. I just, I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of things that I gained. I gained a lot of insight about people. You know, I've told Kara before, you know, like, oh man, I could take people down in that town if I wanted to talk. <laughs> The bar knows the secrets. (laughs) But, you know, and that's the other thing. You learn, like, you know what? It's not going to do you any good to talk about anybody else because that's just, that's ugly. It's going to, you know, don't do it. Yeah. So, you know, it's there. There are there's a lot of things that were learned from that. And and even all the stuff that happened with my brain, I was a chicken shit. Okay. I was such a chicken shit that when I had my a gallbladder attack in 2012 and i mean it was bad okay it was really really bad i waited three months to have my gallbladder removed because i found a surgeon who would do it under an epidural so i wouldn't have to have general anesthesia because i was afraid of general anesthesia wow and then i felt like oh i would heal faster if I didn't get put under because, and that's what the surgeon told me too. Like, oh yeah, you'll, you're going to get better in no time at all. I will tell you, I do not recommend not having (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Hey, before we move on to your brain and that's hilarious. Three months, I can see you just suffering in silence, just waiting to, to be able to control that one. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, I would have, I would have done the same being afraid of something that bad, but thank you for that tip. I've always often wondered, but before we go to your brain, um, surgery and all that adversity around that, I I'm just really curious, what was your biggest lesson that you learned out of being separated from your husband and accepting him back with Lola? What was the biggest lesson you learned there? I think that I learned that history means a lot. Friendship means a lot. Um, you can't you can't get that back. You can, I mean you can't you can't start all over when you're 50 and just like you know I mean you can but it I it would just we were best friends and we were always best friends and we were always a team and so we hit a bump in the road and it was a pretty big one but it, it's okay. That's so great. It's okay. So- the lesson I learned. I mean. I don't regret it. And I, but I do think that over the years, because what's been now six years, I've learned that I've learned to own it. I've learned to like, to go from, oh my God, this horrible thing happened. And, and like, not really talking about it a whole lot to like, just being like, this is who I am. Take me or leave me. You know, like this is, this is what we are. And, you know, and you see people like trying to figure things out and I'm like, yeah, someday I'll tell you. (laughs) that's funny because what Pam and I had lunch together, like, I don't know, it was nine months ago. It was just the two of us, I think. And she was telling me a story about something and she mentioned her stepdaughter. So I, I had known Pam, but very peripherally. And I'm, and I knew she had adult children and she said, mom, my stepdaughter, who's five years old and blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening to her story, but I'm like trying to compute this in my head. Like, wait, well, all right. Well, maybe she and Chris married later. 
in life. I mean, like I would just, I, maybe it's a second marriage. Like I just could, I, I was trying to figure it out. My question for you is there, I'm sure, I'm sure you were met with judgment when this happened. And so, so was your husband, of course, but, and I'm sure there are people who, you know, you referenced your daughter saying you've got to get rid of him, kick him to the curb. I'm sure there are a lot of people who wanted to tell you what to do. How did you handle that? And and were you also, were you surprised by who some of your biggest critics were? Um, yeah, well, the things that were the hardest for me, first of all, I had a lot of support from people at, at the restaurant. But there were some people that were very supportive of me at a time when I needed it, when things were like really falling apart. And that was kind of surprising and nice. My father, who, you know, like, you know, God bless him, because I don't, you know, I don't know how much longer he has in this world. But when when this happened, when I when I discovered that there was another woman that was involved with my husband, my mother was very much like, well, that's that, right? Done, 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 kill him, you know, maybe, you know, maybe kill him, (laughs) but maybe just torture him, whatever. But my father said to me, like, almost right away, like, do you ever think that you can forgive him for this? And it made me stop right then and think, think about it. And I was kind of like, yeah, I guess kind of if he came to me and said, I really want you to forgive me, I'm really, you know, I could. And I think that that was the impetus to really where I am now. I mean, I think that if my father hadn't said to me, can you forgive him? And then the other interesting thing was that my best friend at the time came to me and sat me down and told me like not to throw away all the wonderful things of my life, that this wasn't worth, it wasn't worth it. And that was a huge um, that was another huge thing in my life. Like, okay, you're right. I'm not going to just turn and run. I'm going to face this head on and, and see where it goes. Right. But when we made the decision to let Lola in our life, I lost that friend. Really? Did she say that to you before you knew that there was going to be a Lola? Yes. But then we did know and she knew but it really wasn't until we made the decision that we were going to be a part of this person's life. And, and, and okay, she had, she had children, but they weren't that young. And it was something that we could have, like, we thought we could, we could work it out. Like at this point in time, you know, six years later, the kids are all, I mean, they probably know about her anyway, because they're friends with my kids on social media. And, um, you know, the youngest one, I think the youngest one then was 10, you know, but that was that was something that that was the the thing that hurt the most still does still does because I think how can you um turn your back on somebody that is doing the right thing right yeah you know I just so Pam are you saying that this person who was your best friend did not want her children to learn about Lola because she didn't want to have to explain it right and that's why she's no longer your friend that's got to be really hurtful. That's got to be really, it's almost like she's ashamed of you. Right. Right. That's how, that's almost the only way to interpret that. Right. And that's, and that's the only person I can say that about, you know, my, my brothers who have young kids or have, they were young then, you know, from the get go have just, you know, said, Oh, there's, they have a, there's another kid. And now they're all, you know, now the kids have grown a little bit more and they get it. But um, he's the only person that really in it. And like I said, yeah, that was the one. I mean, it's still, there'll still be times where like, I'll, th- you know, I think about it or I dream about it or, you know, it's like. It just hurts your heart. Really sad. Yep. Really sad. Yeah. It's like, it's uncomfortable for her, even though she's not the one going through it, but it's uncomfortable for her. So she has to distance herself. Right. Wow. And there's some more forgiveness. Right. But, but, but in the, in the words of my good friend, Kara Brooke, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. That's right. I know. It just, it's, it hurts sometimes. It does. It really does. And then create a boundary. Right. Yeah. That's hard, but that's how you protect yourself. Well, and I and I think 
I think that the other thing that has happened to me in the last 10 years of my life is that I realized, you know, that a lot of people got to be careful, got to be careful who you trust, got to be careful who you love, because they might not really, there are a lot of people that have ulterior motives or whatnot. And I, you know, some people will say to me, well, everybody does. I don't, I don't think everybody does because I can't think of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I can't think of mine. Like, you know, even today we, I, um, we're talking about, am I allowed to talk about anything I want to talk about? A hundred percent. Sure. It's your podcast. You know, Dorky Daisy, who was the photographer the other night? Yes. Okay. Well, we were talking about her because she's done. She was at every Pride event. She was taking pictures of everything and she just was amazing. Right. And so I get all excited because I want to help this girl. And I've known her for a long time, too. She's she's a Steeler fan. (laughs) Well, of course you love her. Yeah, I love her. But she used to come to Eddie's and watch the Steelers. And, um, but the whole idea is like, she's doing this photography now and she's very into it and she's trying to start this business. And I am like, so excited for her, you know, like I want to help you. I want to, I want to make this, you know, I want to make you do great things. You know, just like the, that cookie lady, I bet she's probably already looking for a place, uh, a brick and mortar. Yep. That's awesome. It's unbelievable. So you continue to find opportunities at the chamber as the CEO and president to take people who are just starting out in their business and, and help build them up. But I think anybody, I think, I think it's just like what we're talking about here. You have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit and say, you know what, I need a little bit of help getting to the next level, you know, or, you know, sometimes it's about getting off the ground, but sometimes it's about getting to the next level or, you know, or whatever, or the next thing or reinventing what I'm doing. You know, I just, but I think a lot of people are afraid to ask. People are afraid to be vulnerable to say, I don't know how to do something. I need help. I made a mistake, Um, you know, or I'm I'm wrong. But when you're not, when you're like you or Kara, myself, you, you just learn so much. You get to be open to, to things. You get to like, get better because people know that you'll receive feedback and you, and you want to be better. So you seek it and you receive it and you get better from it, but not everyone's like that, Pam. So I would say your ulterior motive, Pam, knowing you the way I know you, your ulterior motive is to have fun and to be happy and to spread joy and lift other people up. So maybe we all do have an ulterior motive. Yeah, I guess. They're just not all bad. Yeah. I think that, you know, that's it. And and it was funny because I had someone say to me today, like, well, I'm trying to learn because if anybody asks me a question, like, I don't know all the answers. I'm like, you're nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows all the answers. You'll never know them all. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You just need to figure out who you can get the answers from. You know, I mean, you don't have to have any answers if you know who to talk to that's going to give you the answer that you need. Right. It's not about your net worth. It's your net worth. Right. Oh, I like that, Patty. Nice. <laughs> so Pam, can you take us through? So here you are. You were separated from your husband. Were you guys separated for a year, two years, six months? We were separated for about nine months. So you get separated from your husband. He has an, a fling, a, a fling. And you have a stepdaughter and a grandbaby. And then that same year that everyone was born, you're diagnosed with a brain tumor. Holy shit. I mean, cancer, brain tumor are probably the two things that I just don't ever want to hear. And my my background, um, you might remember, is I when I worked in physical therapy, I worked as the therapist on a brain injury team. So I've seen what people go through after having their brain operated on. And there's always challenges, well, mostly challenges with speech and balance and vision. Sometimes there's issues with cognition or you don't even have issues with cognition, but because your balance is off and your speech might not be 
the way it was, people will look at you and think that you're drunk or (laughs) that you're, you know, that you are stupid or not intelligent. And so that comes with a whole slew of trying to figure out how, like, how much better can I get and how much, well, you don't even know. So tell us how, I'm just imagining that was hugely scary. It would be for me, but maybe not someone who's as positive as you are just to wake up from that surgery. Like what was all of that? Like the diagnosis, the everything. It was really freaky um, because like I said, and how did your husband respond? Like, I, I need to know how, how that all came together too. You know, it's funny because Jeanette was my friend back then. You know, I met Jeanette at Eddie's and, you know, and, and we were friends. I, we, we catered her wedding. So she was one of the people that, that came to see me in the hospital and stuff. And she said to me just recently, she's like, your husband was like, like hit it out of the park when that happened to you. He's, she's like, he was really, really good. You know, um, of course, I had a therapist and my therapist, too, was the one who said, oh, my God, like the fact that he just, you know, took it and took care of me. And it was I mean, because I came home from the hospital, I still had a feeding tube. Wow. And that was that in your stomach or up your nose feeding? Yeah, tube? because they won't let you go out of the hospital with it up your nose. In your nose right? So right before I left the hospital, they had to put it in my through my stomach. And, you know, and it's kind of weird because I, I kind of blocked that whole thing out because I do remember that that was that sucked. Right. OK. Yeah. So that means you had problems swallowing. You couldn't you couldn't eat solid food. I couldn't. And, and before I had surgery, you know, of course, I thought in the beginning, like I woke up one day, just woke up, go to bed. Everything's fine. Wake up. I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. I'm really dizzy. And then it just got worse for a couple of days. And, and then one day I woke up and my, and my vision was double. And that's when my daughter in Gainesville said to me, don't Google your symptoms. And I'm like, why not? And she's like, cause it'll tell you, you have a brain tumor. And I said, well, if you better hope to hell, I don't have a brain tumor because you can just say goodbye to me right now, because I can tell you right now, no one is ever going to cut into my head. Wow. Wow. I just got chills. Wow. And a week later, they cut into my head. What changed your mind? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I went to a doctor a couple of days later because I was still like, oh, oh, well, at this point, like I couldn't even, I couldn't even really sit. Like I would just pitch forward. Wow. And it was, it was like, you know, and when you're all fine, it's hard to imagine that that was the way it was, but that's the way it was. Were you back with your husband at this point? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we went to a doctor on a Friday who sent me to an ear doctor who said, it's not your ears. I'm going to send you to an eye doctor. The eye doctor said to me, I want you to go have an MRI. Well, you know, insurance is like, a, you know, okay, 10 days. We yeah. gotta do blah, blah. But so the next day it was a Saturday morning. My phone rang first thing, and it was that eye doctor who I'd never seen before that day, but he called me and he's like, do you still feel the same way? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I want you to go to the hospital today because I want you to go to the emergency room and I want you to tell me, tell them you need an MRI that I told you you need an MRI because I can't stop thinking about you. Wow. Wow. Because he could tell by the way that my eyes were that there was something wrong. Right. And so my daughter, my daughter, the doctor said, we got to go to Tampa General. And so we went there and then they uh, right away, like as soon as they did a CAT scan, they knew that I had this hemangioma that bled because if it wouldn't have bled, it wouldn't have impaired me. Oh, well, it would have in a while. Right. I mean, it would have kept growing or it might never. have. Oh, you could have one and never know it. Do you think that some of the stress you were going through had anything to do with Yes. Yeah. I, I, that's why I always talk about it. Like, and my brain blew up. Oh, God. So you, yeah. I mean, even though you're a positive, happy person with lots of joy, those things are really stressful. Being separated, learning your husband. Yeah. I mean, and, and you process it, I'm sure. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. But 
you know, so I mean, I so I went to the hospital, you know, they, I guess I did have a scare for a minute. Like there was just one minute when we were in the emergency room where the ER doctor came in sort of crying and she acted like, well, because I they had sent me then for an MRI at a cath camp first and then an MRI. And she came in and she was like, there's a mass in your brain. Oh, God. <laughs> right. And my daughter's like, oh, my God, you have cancer. Uh. And so we thought we're, I'm dead. Right. I'm dead. And um, but then the resident who my daughter had gone to school with came in for the second time and he's like, Mrs. Pravis, I told you, it's not, it's a mangioma, it's benign. It's like, you know, it's just a, it's just blood. And I'm like, okay. He's like, he makes it I-. sound so easy. Yeah. Yeah. So simple. It's just blood. Oh, okay. It's just blood. Right. But it's a whole lot better than, it's a whole lot better than cancer because it is. Yeah. Because if you have brain cancer, you're dead. Okay. I mean, maybe not today, but you're good. Not, you don't have a lot. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's what made me feel like, just like, I don't know, okay with it. You know, and they did it. They did. Um, the doctors like had meetings and they talked about it and they did like lots of, lots of looks at it. And they came to me after a couple of days and said, you know, we think the best thing for us to do is take it out. And, you know, and I said, well, is that what you would, was that what you would tell your sister? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Isn't it amazing how when somebody says to you, if people around you are freaking out, you're going to freak out. Or if people around you are like, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Right, right. How it will change your attitude about everything. Yeah, it did. It just, it was, um, you know, it was just, oh, well, that's the way, you know, let's do it. And I never, I wasn't ever scared in the least, like not in the least, like they are going to, you know, I remember Chris came to the hospital one day and he had like all these papers, like, like this thick. And he's like, I looked at all the listeners can't see you. Pam's husband is Chris and she's holding up a stack of papers that are probably three inches thick. Fix it. Yeah. 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 And, and he came, comes in and he's like, I looked up all the things with your surgery and, um, and I thought maybe you might want to read all this. And I'm like, ah, no, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to read this. Okay. You know, this was before the fact, but I, but I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I, I couldn't wait to do it. Um, you know, and I had the surgery and it was, it was fine. You know, yeah, I woke up and I couldn't swallow. And that kind of sucked, but you know, it was what it was. But a week after I had surgery, when they were taking out my stitches on my head was leaking. And, and I consider this too. I mean, even though people are like, oh my God, you know, this is another dun, dun, dun moment in my life. I consider it like a blessing because I felt like I was in this really good hospital with really good people. So that this nurse who is taking out my stitches at like 1230 at night noticed enough that my head was leaking. And she called the the neurology resident who came up to my room and was like, oh, you're going back to intensive care and you're going back to have an MRI first. And the the next day um, they did a spinal tap. I had meningitis and back to surgery. Because they've got to clean that up. Oh, that's an infection, uh-huh. right? That that happened. And and I'll tell you what, that, that next day I was really sick, but I wasn't sick at all when they first figured it out. So I think I'm very, very lucky that they found it when they did. And it, you know, because it was, it was really nasty. Holy cow. But I went back, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get it gonna do it again okay (laughs) oh my god Pam that's cool so you had to learn to walk again yeah yeah and swallow and I know that that's one of the things you say you still struggle with once in a while your your throat my throat is my weak weakest link okay there's still like a part of it that doesn't fully function. I can you know I can tell like there'll be certain things that I'll eat cucumber is a good one or like you'll feel it like just sitting there, like great, great. I mean, I don't and I don't choke. It's weird. 
it's not like it's it's not really like choking but it's like it's like just sitting there but yeah and that was i think of everything that was one of the things that bothered me the most was to not be able to swallow like oh because you drool (laughs) you know you just drool and i had a thing that you that i could sweep out my mouth and it was gross and yeah, I just didn't. I would watch TV and I'd see a commercial for like a kind bar. Oh, and you'd start to your mouth with water, right? Yeah. And I would, I would want an almond. That's all I wanted. I wanted somebody to just put an almond in my stomach. I was so, because I was so hungry. Oh, and I was so, so thin. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I can imagine. I always say like, man, there is nothing that screws up your metabolism more than First, they give you mass amounts of steroids because you're having brain surgery. And secondly, they starve you for uh, two months, you know. But yeah, I just, I rented some, I would I would have gone into surgery to have someone just put an almond in my stomach. I just wanted to feel something in my stomach so bad. Wow. What was, I, I'm, I'm guessing the recovery process between walking, eating, and I think, oh, and you said you couldn't see straight either. Like you even having vision issues initially. Yeah, I mean, and I still do, but it's a lot better. I had surgery on my eye because um, now I'm like totally, yeah, you want to operate on me? Go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Anesthesia, no problem. <laughs> but the, when, when I had my eye surgery, I think they thought I was never going to leave. I never was going to wake up because I just, I was just, oh. but yeah, I went to a pediatric ophthalmologist because that's who does surgery on correct like for crossed eyes basically i did my eyes weren't crossed but that's what it is it's like the same nerve and so like they did surgery on my one eye to make it so it's much 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 better but it's not 100 percent. and when i'm tired like that's when i'll really have like i'll really feel like i have to try really hard to see straight like one of everything wow i mean yeah and you weren't able to drive when you first so you and I still don't drive I mean Karen knows I don't drive I drive to work like on the little roads and I'm not but I'm not gonna go doing anything where I have to really look all over and think yeah because that's not good well what's the lesson that you learned from all of your from your brain tumor and your surgery and the recovery what's the lessons that you learned there um I think it's that you never know what's going to happen you never know what tomorrow is going to bring you know, I, I cannot, I cannot say it often enough that like, you know, one day in January, I was 100% fine, normal Pam. And the next day I was not. And, you know, and that's one of the things where I, you know, people that at the chamber, they, they, they joke with me about like, oh, she's always saying like, you know, in case you get hit by a bus or whatever. But you never know what's going to happen. You never know what tomorrow's going to bring. So you you have to just suck the joy out of the day as much as you can. And it, and no, every day is not a joy. But today hasn't been that great. <laughs> Until you got here on this podcast. Right, except for this part. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, not every day is going to be great, but you got to take what you can get. You got to you got to um look at the bright side as much as you can. You got to you got to work a little bit to get the things that you want because sometimes it's, it doesn't come easy, you know. And and um, you know, I think for me a lot of a lot of the lesson that I learned too was that I went from this person who was go, 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 go. When I had the restaurant and everything, it was just like every day, get up, go to work, run around. I mean, I probably had 10,000 steps before noon every day. And that means that's noon when I woke up at 10. (laughs) To this person who was like lying in a bed for a lot, for a while. And I, and being in that bed, especially like being in the hospital for as long as I was, and just there was nothing to do. You could, well, I could watch TV. I could read a little bit. I, I really enjoy reading, so I I read, but that was still hard because of my vision. But you know, you watch TV, whatever. That's when I realized this is not what I want to do. And you know, we Chris and I have older parents 
who are retired and they they would get together and they would talk about who was on the view or who was you know whatever <laughs> that that just to me was like nope don't want to do that i just want to keep do i just want to do stuff and and that's why i think that you know i enjoy what i'm doing as much as you know mostly <laughs> You know, everybody has some days that they're yeah, like, what? I'm going to kill somebody. There's always ups and downs. Right. But um, yeah, I just, I think I learned that just ha- having nothing to do is way overrated. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's really, you know, something I learned and be happy, be nice. And I, I got to tell you too, like I, I, I have a few people who are my friends during that time that, um, and I was a, I was not a great patient. I really didn't want people to come to visit me because I had a thing in my nose and I was drooling and, and I would tell my husband, like, nobody, don't, nobody's coming. Don't let anybody come. And there were a couple people who were like, I don't give a shit. I'm coming. Right. And, you know, and when I look back on it, I, those are a couple of those people are people who mean a lot to me still, like, you know, I, I really value that. I think, you know, I didn't realize the importance of it, but I do now. Like that was real. That really showed me that, man, you really gave a shit. Yeah. If he's telling me, he's telling you she doesn't want anybody to come and go away. And you're still like showing up with, you know, chapstick. (laughs) Oh, that is, that's sweet. Yeah, that is great. How long was the recovery process? Like, was it a year, a full year? Yeah. Do you feel like, don't you feel like you're still recovering though? Don't you find that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, and I'm not going to lie. And I know Karen knows too, like, you know, I mean, I have days where I, you know, in times where I feel like, feel a little sorry for myself. I really wish I could be a little bit more stable. Um, I really wish I could see a little bit better, but you know, I do think about when, when, you know, when I first went home, I couldn't walk and there was a physical therapist that came to the house all the time. And I remember like having my walker and like just walking around the island in my kitchen was like a big deal. And I remember when I could take one hand off the walker and like what a big deal that was. And now I think I walk around like I mean. I walk around, you know, I mean, we walked all over Toronto. That's great. Yes. So I think, um, you know, pretty much a lot of it's, uh, you know, it's, I've come a long way and I should be, and I, and I am really, really glad that I'm, I'm lucky. I feel like I'm really lucky that I did as well as I did. And, you know, yeah. Do, do, and do I wish it wouldn't have happened? Yeah, of course. Yeah, in a way. I mean, it would sound weird if I said no. Yeah, I, I'm glad it happened. But but it is one of the things that it makes you who you are. Like everything you do makes you who you are. You know, my daughter just moved here last week and she was very, very sad the day she was moving because she lived in Philadelphia for six years and she was leaving some really great people and mentors and everything. And, and, you know, she was, you know, really sad. And I I was telling her, you know, I always was sad when I left people that I moved away from, but you all, you take a little piece of that with you. You just take a little bit of every experience you have and it becomes who you are. I love your, I love your positivity and I love, you know, the way you say, you just got to take as much joy out of every day as you can. And I, you know, I know that's the way to live. I know that it's all about mindset and what you think about and how you show up. It's hard sometimes, right? It's hard for me, (laughs) even though I know it and I'm not doing it. And then, you know, you get that little head talk going on and you're like, well, why aren't you just happier? Come on, you know how to change this up. But it's, you know, and I haven't faced these things that you have faced, my goodness, you uh, admirable. You just don't know, you know, you just don't know when it's going to happen and and you don't know how you're going to react, but you need to just be okay. You know, just deal with it. And I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing, you know, I think you do have choices. Well, that's right. She's, <laughs> you mentioned that at the beginning, you can choose to like accept it and, and go with it and deal with it or not. Right. Or right. you could be angry about it, or you could try and find a silver lining or 
there's tons of choices, well, it, but it's also how you look at yourself, you know, because I, I'm, you know, too, especially with the stepmom part of it. There's, there was definitely a time where I was kind of, I just kind of curious to talk about it, you know, like, I mean, cause there were, there were people that weren't even aware of what was going on, that this was all happening. And then all of a sudden I have, I have another kid and it was, and it did just become a thing where I'm like, yeah, you know what? You just gotta, just gotta own it. You just gotta be, I am who I am and you can take it or leave it. You know, this is, I live my whole life. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not good, that I'm not now. What would you, what advice would you give to those people who struggle showing up at themselves, who feel shame about who they are or what they've done or what's happened in their life? What would you, what advice would you give them? I think that you have to, for as cliche as it is, today is the first day. What happened in the past, happened in your mind to live your, your yourself today and forward the best you can. And if, if, okay, you have to know in your mind, you have to know yourself because if you can't go forward, you know, I think there are people that are faced with um, like, especially the low situation. They can't, they can't. I mean, they just can't, they can't. It's not something that they're okay with. It's not something they can go forward with. You have to know that and then do what you need to do to not make that your life or whatever. But you have, so you have to know yourself and what you, what you can do and what you want to do and live your true self, you know, because it also isn't going to work if you think, oh, the honorable thing for me to do would be to be like, oh, I'm, I'm super cool with this. But what kind of life is it if that, if that's what you're doing? You have to be true to yourself. You know, you just, you just have to. That is well said, Pam. You have a, you really have a big heart for accepting Lola. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. So I'm not even going to tell you what I surmise, but that's, you know, you took on a big role and it, and it's worked out. So it seems to have worked out so well. And she's a, she's a fabulous little girl. You have a wonderful family. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with an attitude that like Pam has, of course, <laughs> you can't, can't be right. surprised. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? No, I'm going to, I think that what I need to do is find somebody who can write my book for me. <laughs> ah, okay. No, Looking- I mean, Honestly, before the before any of this, I I feel like man, the things that just went on like in the last ten years of my life, the things that I saw make a very interesting book. But that's great. So maybe there's a ghostwriter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So how do how does that ghostwriter who's listening to this get in touch with you? Pam at DunedinFL.com. <laughs> so that's Pam P A M at Dunedin, D-U-N-E-D-I-N-F-L for florida.com. Awesome. But I, I'm very, very blessed to know the two of you. Oh, thank you. You are, you are so brave and thank you so much for being vulnerable with us. Although it just seems, you know, we have, we've had many guests now and even Patty and I were um, guests of our own and there, you know, there are many, I guess, emotional moments. And I don't know, Pam, you just take everything in stride. And I'm not saying it wasn't emotional at the time, of course, but it's just, you are at such ease in telling your story. And I think maybe it's because of the way your outlook that you have on life, which I think is awesome. Thanks. We need to, to be surrounded with people by people like you. It's weird to me too. <laughs> Remember, I was the chicken who couldn't have surgery to have my gallbladder removed. That's right. That's right. I know. And then brain surgery, and then another surgery for meningitis, and then another and an eye surgery. Yeah, who cares? You get a frequent flyer card at Tampa General. <laughs> That's right. And then, what advice would you give uh, someone who's separated from their husband? who's their best friend and, and they don't want to give up on that. What advice would you give that person? I think 
I think don't give up and, but don't be stupid. Like, I think that for me, you know, my husband came back to me once he knew when I I filed for divorce and he was like, I don't want to get divorced. I love you. You're my, you know, you're the love of my life. I want to be with you. And, you know, I'll spend the rest of my life making this up to you or whatever, whatever it was. And, and so I did feel like, okay, this guy feels bad. He feel, you know, he definitely, definitely. I think that if, if, if we're a different situation where I didn't feel that way, or it was like, or I had to really, or it happened again, or, you know, I just would have, no, there's, you know, you have to have, you have to have self-esteem and you have to have, you know, you have to care about your own self, but I think that you also have to let yourself be open to um, that human humans make errors. Mm, so true. Good people sometimes make shitty decisions and shitty mistakes, but they're still good people. I don't know what you're talking about. I never made a shitty decision. People are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been stupid in my life. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I think I might have been a couple of times. No. <laughs> Never. I think I did. Yeah. Definitely not in a Steelers game, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Pam, it's been so refreshing to have you here and so easy to talk to you and share. Thank you. I'm sure our listeners got a lot of aha and wow moments and, and definitely they can pick up some some great information and advice from someone who's a true survivor badass, happy, joyful, grateful, giving person. Thank you. Yeah. Be a badass. And don't confuse nice for stupid. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman, you know, who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you perfectly imperfect you with love Kara and Patty but I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say I love what you just said, and I hope Des could capture that and weave it into the podcast somewhere. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com. And that's a wrap.